welcome back to Bridgerton Fancast. We're a podcast created by two fangirls to discuss the hit Netflix show Bridgerton, and now it's spin-off, I guess. I'm Michelle. I am back in the States. Yeah. Uh, you can find me at Musings on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm Rita. I live in England, and I'm at Annoying Rita on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, this is the first in our series of after-show reviews for the Bridgerton prequel, Queen Charlotte. Thank you all for joining us. Just a heads up for newbies, we are watching one episode a week, so these podcasts are spoiler-free. I know the majority of you listening probably binged it. <laughs> Lucky people. Uh, but we hope you can still find this podcast series enjoyable, if only for the way our speculations are wildly wrong. <laughs> Always a fun time. Yes. I also need to give a trigger warning before we start our discussions because there was a sexual assault in the episode. I can't imagine that we'll be talking too graphically, but it's better to be safe than sorry with these things. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's begin by recapping this episode. It was quite unimaginatively, (laughs) if you ask me, titled Queen to Be and was written by Shonda Rhimes of Shondaland herself, and directed by Tom Verica of getting killed off in the first episode of How to Get Away with Murder. (laughs) Fame. And now he's director. Anyway, recap. That's that's so sweet. Okay, (laughs) Uh, the show began with a bizarre title card where the voice of Julie Andrews tells us that it is not a history lesson, It is fiction inspired by fact, okay? Uh, I think Netflix should be putting that in front of every episode of The Crown. I mean, yeah, nobody thinks Bridgerton is real life. We cut to Miro, which is in the Duchy of Mecklenburg-Strelitz in northern Germany. A carriage carrying George III's insignia sits outside a grand house. Inside, Princess Charlotte sneaks over towards the crack in the door of her brother's study and spies on his meeting with a British diplomat. She watches on in silent horror as he signs a marriage contract. Frustrated, she pushes a Roman statue off its plinth and it crashes into pieces around her. Charlotte then runs off in a panic before she is caught by her brother. We then cut to some unknowable time later, Charlotte is heading off to marry the King of England. She takes one long-lasting glance at her home and then climbs into her carriage with her brother. After the title sequence, huge improvement on the Bridgerton one, by the way. (laughs) Fuck that Windows 95 aesthetic-looking tree. (sighs) We cut back to Charlotte and her brother in their carriage, hurtling towards the British court. Charlotte looks miserable, and her brother... That's Duke Adolphus Frederick the Fourth to you. Goodness. Remarks that she hasn't moved in over six hours. I am wearing Lyonnais silk encrusted with Indian sapphires, working with overlay of 200-year-old lace. Apparently too much movement can cause the sapphires to shred the lace. If that are not enough, the gown sits atop a bespoke underpinning made of whalebone. Whalebone? Yes. Whalebone, brother the bones of whales whales died so i could look like this i have literally just pulled this clip so that i could debunk her sentence later (laughs) on in the podcast because despite this show's disclaimer 
I will be comparing it to historical events. Just try and stop me, Shonda. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> no matter how much Adolphus insists, it's an honour for her to just to be chosen. Sounds like something an Oscar nominee would say. Yeah, yeah. Um, Charlotte is suspicious about the Hanoverians' motivations for choosing her as a bride. Adolphus isn't meeting her eyes. Also very sus. Her brother tells her that despite how much he has indulged her in the past, he calls the shots and she is marrying the king. Sure is awkward to be the first black family to marry into royalty, but their tiny German province cannot look this gift horse in the mouth. He takes her hand and pleads with her that there are worse fates in the world than marrying the king of England. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong, just ask Marie Antoinette. Uh -huh. Charlotte seems to consider his words and agrees to marry George. For now. <laughs> we then cut to 1817. A carriage arrives at Buckingham Palace in the middle of the night. A very worried-looking Queen Charlotte, still in her nightdress, races to meet a doctor at her door. She asks if the king is dead. He, re he assures her that the king is quite hearty. Charlotte looks relieved and goes to leave before realizing that if the king is not dead, then someone else has to be. We cut away to Lady Whistledown announcing the death of the Princess Royal, Charlotte of Wales, who is the granddaughter of King George III and Queen Charlotte. She died in childbirth, along with her baby. We then cut back to Queen Charlotte, who quite stiffly attempts to comfort her grieving son by patting him on the arm and saying, Sorrows, sorrows, prayers. As we watch images from the funeral, a Lady Whistledown voiceover conveniently explains that despite George and Charlotte having 13 living children, there is not a royal heir from any of them. We have a good old-fashioned succession crisis on our hands, folks, so buckle up. Back in 1761, yeah, did you get whiplash from that? But yeah. <laughs> I did. So now we're back in 1761. Uh, Charlotte finally arrives in court and is introduced to her future mother-in-law, Augusta of Saxe-Gotha-Altenburg. It's immediately weird. Augusta stares her up and down like a racehorse and examines her teeth and hands. I'd have been like, bitch, please. Uh, anyway, uh, uncomfortable for everyone, she declares that Charlotte has good childbearing hips <sighs> and that her job is to make lots of babies for her son. But it gets worse. Augusta licks her lips and smudges Charlotte's face and then checks to see if the melanin came off. Where's my knife? Where's my knife? Even the gross white men in the room look uncomfortable by such a brazen act of disrespect. Augusta then instructs Brimley to take Charlotte to have her wedding dress fitted. Charlotte says she has brought her own dress made in Paris in the latest French fashion. A bold move considering England are in the midst of the Seven Years' War against the French. Augusta understandably insists on Charlotte wearing the traditional English gown they have provided. Charlotte makes her way to her fitting with baby Brinsley following like a lost <laughs> puppy. She finds the whole five paces behind her thing deeply irritating, but not as irritating as Brimsley's refusal to describe George in any great detail other than that he is the king, he is the ruler, and he is the monarch. Truly groundbreaking. 
back to Princess Augusta, who is doing a racism and complaining about how brown Charlotte is to her her advisors. <coughs> One of the many old white men in the room declares that they might have to cancel the royal wedding, as this is a problem. People will talk. We are the palace. A problem is only a problem if the palace says it is a problem. That is a fact, is it not? It is. And the king is the sovereign head of the Church of England and ruler of this great land. Therefore, nothing he does would ever be a problem for the palace. Would it, Lord Bute? It would not. So, this must be as the palace wished it to be. Must it not, Lord Bute? Yes, it must. Good. Then the king's choice has been most intentional. Augusta, now trying to spin the situation, orders them to invite way more black people to the wedding and plans <laughs> to include them in the new Queen's Court. Cut to a montage of very surprised-looking black residents receiving their last-minute invitations to a royal wedding. <laughs> Good for them. <sighs> um, <laughs> the show cuts to beloved Bridgerton favourite Agatha Danbury as she is raped by her husband. The tone of the scene is bizarrely light-hearted as this old man, old enough to be her grandfather, literally ejaculates and then flops on the bed beside her as if he is moments away from a heart attack. Ugh. To add insult to injury, he then pops out his dentures. <laughs> Agatha waits for him to begin snoring and then makes her escape. Agatha's first instinct is to go have a bath. Understandable. While she is scrubbing herself clean, her maid tells her they have received an invitation to the royal wedding. Agatha asks her if she's gone mad. Their respective races do not mix. But her maid is certain even the Bassets have received an invitation. Shout out to Simon, whoop, whoop, uh, whose father is about to become a duke, which will lead to events of Bridgerton season one. Back at the palace, Charlotte is dressed in her... English, quote-unquote, wedding gown, and she continues to pepper Brimsley with questions about her future husband. Is he handsome? Is he kind? Is he funny? Well-read? Artistic? Athletic? Brimsley remains uncharacteristically tight-lipped. She realizes she needs to escape and announces she needs to use the chamber pot to get some privacy. Outside, the diverse crowd of guests start pouring into St. James Palace, including Agatha and her husband. He instructs her not to gawk like a peasant and to behave as though she has been there before. Hashtag fake it till you make it. Inside the chapel, the dowager princess, Augusta, meets the Danburys and tells them that they shall soon be proclaimed Lord and Lady Danbury. Agatha looks pleased as she imagines her new future in the tongue. <sighs> Panicked Brimsley runs around the corridors trying to find the missing bride. When he cannot find her, he seeks the help of his fellow footman, who he panics to. Psst, the bride is missing! <laughs> the young king just happens to overhear. George sneaks out into the palace grounds to look for his future wife and finds her attempting to climb over the garden wall. Naturally, he asks her why she is attempting to run away. After decrying the stranger's impertinence, she tells him that she thinks the king must be a beast or a troll because no one will speak of him. George finds this amusing, but quickly tries to ascertain if his appearance is all that matters to her. I do not care what he looks like. What I do not like is not knowing. Now, here, 
Just take hold here. With a lift, I... I believe I can make it over the garden wall. George refuses to help her over the wall, and finally decides to tell her that he is, in fact, the groom. <laughs> Charlotte looks embarrassed and immediately drops into a curtsy. George takes her hand and introduces himself as just George, with the kind of charisma Reggae Jean Page would be truly proud of. Just <laughs> slay. Yes. George mocks her pitiful attempt at wall climbing. Charlotte objects on the grounds that she is wearing 20 layers of flouncy dress, and they both begin to smile. George calls her incomparable and worries that she is too beautiful to marry a troll like him. He then tries to assuage her fears about marrying a complete stranger by telling her he was born prematurely, what his favorite food is, his interests in science and farming, and that he too is nervous about marrying a relative stranger. They begin to make heart eyes at each other. The moment is then interrupted by Charlotte's brother Adolphus, frantically looking for his sister. George tells them both that the chance or the choice to marry him is entirely up to Charlotte. He kisses her hand and tells her he hopes to see her in there. Quote, I shall be the one standing next to the Archbishop of Canterbury. End quote. <laughs> That's cute. Charlotte looks smitten and announces that she needs to change. We cut back to the wedding chapel. Everyone is ready to begin and trumpets blare to announce Charlotte's arrival. She walks down the aisle in the elaborate gown she chose, being scrutinized by the courtiers on either side. Once she makes eye contact with George, she starts to smile and look more relaxed. The sun comes out and beams through the stained glass as the ceremony begins. Before you know it, they are man and wife, and they kiss. It's a very beautiful shot. Sunlight drenches them as the guests all applaud. Huzzah! Love has cured generations of inequality. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> we then cut to the post-wedding ball. George and Charlotte dance together, and Charlotte looks pretty happy with her choice. Later that evening, George and Charlotte are bidding farewell to their guests, including her brother. She seems pretty surprised at his abrupt departure. You feel like they would have discussed this on their long journey from Germany. But anyway... She is going to be needing a confidant. Step on up, Lady Danbury. Lady D introduces herself and warns the new queen to be careful and know that if she sends for her, she will come. As the last guests leave, George tells Charlotte he has a surprise for her. Classical rendition of Halo by Beyonce begins to play. George and Charlotte head to their most ornate carriage and wind through the streets of London so that the peasants <laughs> can see them. Huzzah! 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 <laughs> they arrive at Buckingham House. Charlotte asks, who lives there? And is informed that, well, she does, technically. He's had it redesigned just for her. She's confused and asks where he will live. He has a place in Kew. So you shall live in Kew? Yes, and I shall live here? Yes. It is our wedding night. <laughs> now, Charlotte has no idea what marital duties are, but she's pretty sure they're supposed to be doing them on their wedding night. Together, <laughs> not in separate homes. When confronted with this, George looks genuinely tortured, like, 
uh, he would rather be anywhere else in the world, and then abruptly declares he shall stay in, stay instead, and then flounces in like he is on fire. You know, <laughs> Charlotte chases her husband through the entrance hall, past the greeting party of her assembled staff. Awkward. She asks George what upset him and apologises for whatever she did to cause it. He tells her she has nothing to apologise for, but that he wants to go to Kew. Alone. As he turns to leave, she asks him why, and he tells her that it's easier. Oh my god. <laughs> we suddenly just, like, went to Dawson's Creek territory. Anyway, <laughs> when, she, when she pushes him on that... He starts screaming, I'm not going to debate this with you. I decide. I've decided I'm your king. Charlotte becomes very formal and asks to withdraw, referring to him as your majesty again. George looks upset, but you know, a win is a win, and he forces himself to leave. (laughs) Charlotte heads into the corridors of her new home, only to be followed by Brimsley, much to her annoyance. She tries to order him to stop following her, but he refuses and tells her he hopes, in time, she will become used to him. She ironically remarks that they can spend the rest of their lives together. We flash forward to 1817. Brimsley is still following Charlotte down the halls of Buckingham Palace. She enters the room and greets all 13 of her children. The men are all draped around the room, hung over and reeking of debauchery. She complains about the number of illegitimate children they have produced. Meanwhile, across the room sit her prim and repressed daughters, who, by contrast, are unmarried versions. Well, except one. Charlotte asks if the husband is putting it in the right place, much to the delight of her skeezball sons. The only heir to the throne is dead. (laughs) Sorrows. Sorrows, prayers. I am stating facts. The princesses have had no babies. The princes have had a record number of babies. Illegitimate whore babies. We had one heir, one royal, and she is gone. (laughs) Sorrows, prayers. (laughs) Children, this is a crisis. She tells them to trade in their mistresses for wives and to produce the next ruler of the United Kingdom or their father's line will die with them. Spoiler alert for actual history, Queen Victoria is the heir they produce and is technically the last of the Hanoverians, so they fail. Back in 1761, again, Charlotte sits alone in her huge four-poster bed and realizes she should have gone over the wall. The end. Okay. What was your first impressions of this show? Um, I thought it was, you know, beautiful, but, you know, we've come to expect that with the Bridgerton franchise um, by this point. Um, but, you know, I I really found myself enjoying it. Um, you know, I had wondered, you know, what in the world they were going to do um, with this um, show. And, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to be doing a prequel of Queen Charlotte. All right. Um, And I think the thing that really struck me was how they showed what the coming together of these two individuals was going to mean, particularly for the universe that 
was created in the Bridgerton series. Uh, if we are looking at the Bridgerton series as a multicultural uh, experience. Um, and so I found the, the, the laying of the foundation for that to be uh, at times painful, but also interesting to, to watch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you? I mean, this show has a really big hurdle to climb for me because mm-hmm. I don't <laughs> know why it exists. Like, why are we romanticizing a relationship between a black woman and the head of an institution that supported and benefited from slavery? <laughs> like, at the end of the day, <laughs> this is a weird choice. This is yeah. bizarre. And, like, yeah. the in congruity is i've still not got over that but it's only the first episode i may be able to suspend my disbelief eventually mm-hmm. but this is right up there with that movie of a black girl who fell in love with a hitler youth that i keep seeing trailers for what yeah there's a movie about that like my brain just folded over it was actually made by the same uh writer and director that did bell you know that period yeah. drama yeah Everyone hated it because, again, why would you do that? <laughs> why? Like, why would you? Why? Why? Yeah. It's a weird choice. Um, yeah. I'm, you know, charmed by the performances. Um, mm-hmm. Everything's very sweet and cute and I love the romance. But at the end of the day, like, you're going to have to explain why this exists, why you've made this. <sighs> oh, gosh. <sighs> now, I totally see your point. Um, You know, and... You know, when I think back to when the first season of Bridgerton uh, came out and, you know, it, you know, they had been talking about the fact that they had, you know, planned this to be a, a multicultural cast and and, uh, you know, we're seeing, you know, reggae John pa- uh, Page uh, images. And I think everybody was like, well, this is fine. I'm good with this. Thank you. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how they wind up explaining how we wound up where we are. Um, but it's also a very clear, um, it's very clearly stamped as a, and as Julie Andrews said at the very beginning of the episode that, oh, you know, don't this, remind me of that. Yeah, you know, it, it's don't like, get this Julie is... to do your dirty walk work, Shonda. <laughs> Uh, you know that this is this is not real, people. <laughs> this it's like they created real. their own universe, and then yes. it's like, okay, you can do that, but you need to sort of give us the details of how that universe works. And we've only yes. really got a little bit of the explanation, so I'm not going to go too heavy yep. into the critiques. But at the same time, it's yep. like we're still playing around with institutions that have oppressed people and done Uh unaccountable damage so it's like you need to do this carefully yeah not like end up propping up this institution i'm not like anti-royal but like come on (laughs) yeah we got we got our we got our eyes we got our eyes on you you know and uh, i wish there was an emoji that you know what you were able to use to do that you know you're pointing at at your fingers at your own eyes, and then you turn and point them at yeah. the other person. I wish there was an emoji for that, but uh, I think that emoji. yeah, I think that that is something that we are going to be 
doing as we move forward in this mm. program. Most definitely. So I noticed a few Easter eggs that I wanted uh -huh. to mention, and it was honestly a shower thought that I properly stuck in the notes for this. <laughs> oh, I love those thoughts. <laughs> uh, so, you know, when we first see the shot of, at, the, at that time, Princess Charlotte staring up at the wall. Yes. Trying to think of a way of climbing over it. It really echoed a shot in season one. Daphne screams at her mother in the ward garden. Yes. I, at first I was like, is that the same fucking is that garden? The same and wall? Then I, <laughs> it's not. It just looks identical. Okay. <laughs> um, hey, reduce, reduce, reuse, recycle. So <laughs> they're, they're recycling just, set pieces. <laughs> Maybe. That. I don't know. Um, and then <laughs> as she's climbing it, you can hear a tiny, like, bee buzzing noise. And mm -hmm. um, I was like, bee! Official bee count. <laughs> That's obviously the the reference to the Bassett family. Yes. Yay. I That's... love that. And there was also a reference to the Smythe Smith family, which if you're a book reader, <laughs> you will know that that is the actual spin-off from Bridgerton, not this. The Smythe Smiths are actually like such a, it's a cute series. Um, mm. Very good. It's about a bunch of... Uh, it's like a, a quartet of cousins of the Smythe Smiths that are forced to perform every year. None of them uh -huh. are musical. It's a public humiliation. Um, and it's quite comical how they all like are forced to endure this family tradition that humiliates them in front of the Todd. And mm -hmm. you're like, that's a very loose concept for a whole series. And it really is, but it works. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So... How do you think the show is handling having two timelines? Aside from the whiplash that uh, it uh, occasionally causes, um, you know, I am, you know, I was fine with it. I think, I think as the story moves along that it could become pretty annoying. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you get into one storyline, it's like, whoop. Yeah, no. and it's like, hey, 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 hey! Okay, great, we're back here. And I, I actually have a question about, mm -hmm. and, and I know that you're going to be getting into uh, some historical stuff in just a little Unfortunately bit. Unfortunately for everyone, yeah. <laughs> um, they're talking about Queen Charlotte walking around Buckingham Palace in 1817. Yeah, was Buckingham Palace there? At that time, yes. Okay. Well, I'm going to get into that okay. later. Okay. But, then let's um, let's it, let's. I don't know that it would have been called Buckingham Palace yet. Like, uh -huh. It was called um, the Queen's House colloquially for a while. So uh -huh. I don't know if maybe they were just making that clear for audiences. Okay. To be like, this is the palace now. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, because I I recently rewatched. Um, the young Victoria, because, oh, yeah. you know, I was sick with COVID and wanted to watch something that was comforting. Um, and, you know, they That's make a mention. <laughs> I, I, God, I love it. Um, you know, they make a reference uh, about how uh, Victoria will be, will be the first monarch to live in uh, the palace. And I, I was think like. I mean that in the sense that it's the official residence. Okay. Because it had been in the family. 
Okay. For like almost a a hundred years at that point. Okay. They acquired palaces <laughs> and houses <laughs> and things, and then like the official residence is St James in this show, but like mm-hmm. they're gonna be spending all their times at Kew and Buckingham House, as it was then known. Okay. Because, you know, why not have three homes? Sure. <laughs> you know. Not? All right. Um, but anyway, um, so I think that, that, uh, it's really going to depend how they utilize this setup, um, on how successful it's going to be. Um, I, I, but I did find it jarring, um, kind of bouncing between the two. The blue, the, the very, like, blue like scenes in the 1819 mm-hmm. oh i i don't know like the color was just too dark mm-hmm. like i get they want to contrast it with like the bright happiness of the past and the darkness yeah. of it's just too literal and um i found everyone looked kind of sick um mm-hmm. <laughs> which i didn't i didn't love yeah um but i mean in general i think it's going to be very interesting and like how they can at the moment they seem very different storylines. Mm-hmm. I feel like at some point they need to feel more connected. Yeah. Do you know the trend that my favorite thing was the transition of like when young Charlotte commented about spending her life with Brimsley and then we cut 50 years yes. later and they're still walking down the hall together. Yes. I wish the show had done more things like that where they uh-huh. felt more connected because that moment made me really giggle. And yes. then the rest of the times I was just like, wait, what? Wait, wait, we're uh-huh. in a different where, time. Where okay. Are we? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, agree. <laughs> agree. I enjoyed that moment as well. I mean, we next topic is race and bridgerton we sort of stopped yeah. to cover that but um yeah i just want to say we've watched a few different period dramas now mm-hmm. that have you know black or brown leads and mm-hmm. so far i think i prefer all of those shows <laughs> versions of it mm-hmm. because i find bridgerton to be just the most confusing to me to watch <laughs> i w- just don't know what they're trying to say um like they've essentially created their own version of racism here like slightly different yeah it's like different flavor of racism you know <laughs> yeah. so it's uh it's a bit confusing yeah i mean go back and listen to, to my reaction to the the marriage ended racism line in season one like that was i went full spiral it was horrible um i'm not going to do that this time i've sort of just given up Trying to make that make sense, the timeline. Mm-hmm. Like, when do we split off from real history? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the implication of what they're going with is that they accidentally ordered like a darker model from the German princess catalog, and she showed up, and they were like, "Oh, oh. shit, she's black." Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was like, "Oh my god, how are we going to deal with this?" And you know, then of course it was. Oh geez, you know we better we better get some more more uh, black people involved in this whole thing. Which you know I I found myself rolling my eyes, um, you know, at that moment because like okay, uh, we need to get some tokens up in here, and it was, yeah. it was just like oh shit, really? We're we're gonna go there? Um, I think it's, it's weird because the show set. It, like sells itself on like escapism and black mm-hmm. inclusion and yeah positivity and then we get like just a different form of racism mm-hmm. <laughs> slightly less 
Well, we, Violence. yeah, we wind up, you know, we, w- racism. yeah, we wind up with kind of a much more, a much more realistic view of what racism looked like back in those days. The whole, the whole examining her teeth and her hands and, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, it, it made me think about, you know, those, uh, like horrible, uh, slave auctions. Um, you know, and basically, um, looking at these people, um, as if they were animals and, you know, like farm animals. And, uh, so that was, that was hard to watch. Um, so I am wondering how we're going to move from that level of, um, racism and discomfort with, um, people of color moving forward, um, you know, in the show. So I've been, I've been very good and I haven't watched the, um, next episode, uh, before doing this recording because, you know, I, I didn't want that to pardon the pun color, my, um, thoughts around, um, episode one. Uh, but I am very intrigued to see kind of where this is going. Um, I really hope that they don't just brush it aside yes. now that they've brought it up. Yep. Because this show has a tendency to do that. Yeah. Have they ever spoken about race in season one? Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Uh-uh. Um, and I really hope to God that they don't do that. Um, if they do, uh, I am going to have a whole shit ton of stuff to say next week. And I'm just very weeks. worried. Yeah. I'm very worried because I don't want them to trivialize mm-hmm. the subject matter mm-hmm. to prop up like a romance. Yep. That like already existed. Yep. Come on. Mm-hmm. <sighs> anyway, speaking of, let's get into uh Rita's unnecessary historical context corner. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> we love it! Okay, so as mentioned earlier, whale bones in corsets. Whale bones, not actually the bones of whales. Sorry, Charlotte. Yeah. You're wrong about that. So toothless whales have these like long hanging fringe plates in their mouths Mm -hmm. that are used to strain seaweed for food. Mm -hmm. And it's made out of keratin, the same protein that makes up human fingernails and hair. They're called baleen. Yeah. Baleen had a variety of commercial uses at this time. Um, yes, it made it was made into stay bones for corsets, but they were also used for umbrellas, uh, baskets, weirdly. <laughs> um, it was cut into various sizes for bristles in brushes, including for chimney and street cleaning. And offcuts were used by upholsterers for stuffing or sent to farmers for fertilizer. So, <laughs> the more you know. Yes. I just taught Queen Charlotte something. <laughs> um <laughs> Actual Queen Charlotte and George the Third. Okay, so their betrothal betrothal um was a little bit more complicated than was portrayed on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, George inherited the throne from his grandfather. His own father, Prince Friedrich, had died when he was just thirteen years old, and he grew up away from court with his mother as his parents were estranged from the king, which is kind of a Hanoverian <laughs> tradition. Lots of father-son fuckery. They literally all fought. Uh. So he lived most of his life 
just away from the public eye and was just quite a shy and reserved person. His mother and his tutor, who we saw in the episode, he was Lord Butte, the guy that was like, this is a problem. <laughs> Thanks, Lord Butte. Um, they were like the most prominent figures in his life until he came of age. They guided him to be concerned about his morality and being a good example of Christianity. So unlike his great-grandfather and grandfather and father, he took no mistresses and instead attempted to find a wife he felt he could be faithful to. So when he ascended to the throne in October 1760 at the age of 22, he sent out an envoy to find a good German princess to marry because, you know, you can't marry those dirty Catholics. Mm. Um, <laughs> a few candidates were rejected from more prominent provinces, uh, but he chose Princess Charlotte of Mecklenburg on the grounds that she, like him, was known to be quite reserved, a conservative person, good Lutheran girl. Mm -hmm. As a bonus, um, the relative insignificance of Mecklenburg meant that George was unlikely to get embroiled in the complicated pattern <laughs> of alliance and dispute with the more powerful German states. I mean, <laughs> that's its own podcast right there. Yeah. Um, Charlotte's family was actually not that well off by aristocratic standards. For example, traditionally the way people would be fitted for gowns would be to send a pair of their stays with their measurements so that they could be sure the gown would fit. But Charlotte only had one pair of stays and so they just had to send her measurements <laughs> rather than depriving her of her own underwear. Ah. So she arrived in England just six hours before her wedding oh, God. and she tried on the gown it was made of silver tissue it was trimmed with silver and covered in diamonds set off with a little cap of oh, purple velvet good gosh but it was a very poor fit and far too large for her very tiny 17 year old frame <laughs> horace walpole wrote of her dress her violet velvet mantle which was attempted to be fastened onto her shoulder with a bunch of pearls dragged itself and almost the rest of her clothes <laughs> halfway down her waist Oh my the spectators God. knew as much of her upper half as the king himself. Oh my God! End quote. So <sighs> that's just just don't stick diamonds on. No, on some clothes like it's just gonna weigh you down. Yeah. Good <sighs> poor, Lord! Can you imagine being a poor seventeen-year-old girl? <laughs> They've stuck you in this huge dress that's half hanging halfway down your navel, mm. and everyone can see you, and they're staring at you, and you're marrying the king of England. Oh my Ooh. God! How humiliating! Also, fun little tidbit, in a reversal of convention, the king arrived after the bride. There was then a ball, and they both went to bed that night together. And considering their first child was born not even a year into their marriage, they were very much doing their marital duties, <laughs> like banging all night. Okay. Here is the Buckingham House info oh, that you're okay. just dying to know. Okay. It was built by the Duke of Buckingham, mm. get it, Buckingham uh -uh. House, in 1703. It was eventually sold by Buckingham's illegitimate son, Sir Charles Sheffield, in 1761, to George III for £28,000, which was a lot of money back then. Yeah. And refurbishments began the following year. It was, for all intents and purposes, their first family home together, and they spent a lot of time alone there away from the more formal life at St. James's. 
Um, it was known as the Queen's House for the next 50 years, and an Act of Parliament in 1775 settled the property on Queen Charlotte in exchange for her rights to nearby Somerset House, and 14 of her 15 children were born there, which is wow. too many children. Way too, too many, many children. children. <sighs> like, get off her, George. <laughs> Can't you leave the poor woman alone for two seconds? Damn it, George. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> anyway, let's talk storylines. Yes. Charlotte and George in 1761, um, I I thought them to be just beautiful together. Um, the the They did one hell of a great job with casting uh, for these roles. Um, you know, I, I admit that, you know, I immediately became concerned when he was yelling at her, um, about, you know, who makes the decisions and all that kind of stuff, because I was like, oh man, don't they have a little time together before he starts going off the deep end? Um, but, uh, again, I'm going to just reserve my judgment until I get further into the story, um, about, kind of how this all uh shakes out but you know i i found them to be you know lovely together and i'm very interested to see where it's going uh how about you yeah they're really cute mm -hmm. i particularly love george this yeah. is unexpected <laughs> you're yeah. like am i crushing on george the third what's wrong with me <laughs> oh gosh he seemed, he's Seems really smitten with her, and mm -hmm. I love that dynamic between. Yeah, them. like I loved young Victoria because of that way. He's just like, "Love you, hi. yes, I um, just can't stop thinking about you." Um, but uh, the you know the the clip that they gave us in advance of the show's premiere, you know, the one of the two of them in the the garden with her trying to get over the wall. Yeah, it, it, that couldn't have been a more perfect clip to get us started on this show because it was charming as all get out <laughs> you know just cute yeah it was just, just so cute <laughs> i feel like they're trying to draw us in with the cuteness and then uh -huh. it's like they're gonna rip the rug from under us and it's yep. like ah, mental illness is coming <laughs> um, yeah you thought this was all gonna be sunshine and roses nah you're gonna be miserable soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Um, well, I how do you love how they played that scene though? Because uh, the final scene without fighting, because it's yeah. like, oh, is he a despotic ruler who just wants his own way, or mm -hmm. is he mentally ill? Find out next episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think that uh, that uh, this is going to be a fun one to watch. Um, how about uh, Older Charlotte in 1817? I think that was some of my favourite scenes. I yeah. love Golda. She's just an amazing actress. And you can tell she's having so much fun. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. I wish everything wasn't colour corrected into <laughs> blue nonsense, though. Yeah. Um, the The scene with her and all of her children just had me on our uh just had me rolling um <laughs> and her just being come on people you gotta get it together <laughs> get to work it's funny 
<laughs> as much as I think, like, her children are absolutely useless, there's also <laughs> the sense that she's kind of a terrible mother because her <laughs> child is weeping about losing his his only child and she's just patting him on the back like, yeah, yes. get over it. <laughs> it's like, okay, move on, move on, move on. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do enjoy seeing her. Um, just acting the hell out of that part. Um, so mm. that, that's, that's always a pleasure. It has always been a pleasure to see her, uh, in the, uh, season one and season two of Bridgerton, um, because she is clearly having the time of her life, uh, performing. I'm just like pleased that she's finally worrying about something of consequence not like who anthony bridgerton is married like, yes like who gives a shit yes you have bigger problems <laughs> exactly focus on your own children Come exactly on. <laughs> it's like no time to be like trying to um to try to like create um all these machinations and you know dabble in all of the gossip and Who's trying to figure out who whistle down is and all that kind of stuff. You know, you, you got, you got some errant children's to deal with. So, uh, anyhow, I'm looking forward to seeing more. Maybe a little tone down. Uh, the blue. Charlotte and Augusta Ugh. always love an uncomfortable mother in law situation. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously very uncomfortable. The way she was rubbing her skin. Oh, Ooh, that God. Was... That was revolting. Really was. Yeah, that was revolting. Um, um, I do like that she's kind of a mercenary that has accidentally helped mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, end racism just to <laughs> preserve appearances. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't strike me as particularly unrealistic that someone with that level of power would just be like, oh, I'm going to accidentally help black people just to fuck my own. <laughs> yeah, you know, it it would be like something that they wouldn't have even um, considered a possibility um, of, you know, what they were doing. Uh, it was kind of like, oh, well, guess what? Whoops. Look what, look what you wound up doing, sis. Um, <laughs> um, I do love that accidentally mm-hmm. solved racism just because yep. it was convenient for you mm-hmm. <laughs> great thanks Ugh. so it'll be interesting to see where this goes yeah the real princess augusta is actually a really fascinating character in mm. her own right like she needs her own tv show quite mm-hmm. frankly um especially with the, her backstory with how her and her husband were treated um by the previous king so mm. i would like to see more of this character um i get that she's the most openly racist person of the show. <laughs> so it feels a bit weird to say that, but I think um, everyone else is racist too. They're yeah. just not as obvious about it. So, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, plus the actress is amazing. Yeah. Um, um, Charlotte's other relationship was with Adolphus. Adolphus, God, what a name. He is cute. Isn't he a um, cutie pie? Oh, so cute. <laughs> Yeah, he's he is really cute. I love how, you know, it was clear that he was having to struggle with uh this willful sister of his and just just kind of like rolling his eyes like, "Oh god, really?" 
Will you just do what we need you to do, please? <laughs> I did find that, like, Charlotte, your choice is between marrying this man you don't love or this other man you don't love. Like, you're not going to have... <laughs> Yeah. You're not going to get a huge range of choices here. Mm -hmm. It's all dynastic shenanigans <laughs> in terms of marrying suitors. Yes. So I was like, really? Just suck it up. <laughs> not to be. <laughs> yeah. It. Uh... Climbing over a wall. What kind of nonsense is that? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That was. Uh... That was uh, pretty hilarious. Be like, oh my god, will you stop making a fool of yourself um, and just, you know, just do this for me, please? Um, but uh, yeah, he is a dog. I don't even think it's for her though, <laughs> for him though, because it's like he was approached with this, <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, sure, I can't say no. <laughs> Oh, God. I literally cannot say no, so you have to yes. do it. Um, well, I would I would have liked to seen a little bit more of her life in Germany to contrast yeah. her new life in England. Yeah. Um, I was sort of thinking, <laughs> I shouldn't, but I was thinking about that the first episode of The Empress that we watched where you really get a sense of the freedom mm -hmm. um, Sissy had in her mm -hmm. life. And then the repressive life of court. And I think something similar sort of would have been useful to showcase, like, why Charlotte was struggling with this mm -hmm. match. All we got was her shoving the thing, <laughs> the statue of a plinth. And I was like, that doesn't tell me anything about you. <laughs> like, you're, she's kind of a blank slate. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, she's the main character. Maybe give her a little bit more to yeah. do other than complain. Yeah. Um, I agree. And how about Lady Danbury? <sighs> Love the actress. Yeah, I I think that she is uh really uh beautiful. Um, I think that she works very well as a younger version of um you know the the Lady Agatha Danbury that we have all come to know and adore. Um, the eyebrows are slightly off though. Yeah, because, you know. She has iconic eyebrows, and yeah. those are not the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Adjua's eyebrows are just a force to be They're reckoned with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I really like this younger version of, uh, Lady Danbury. The scene where we are first introduced to her was uh, just terrible. Um, I, hate it i hate it and i think it tainted the whole episode for me oh um it was just awful like okay yeah marital rape was prevalent and highly normalized mm -hmm. until relatively recently mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that the show has to normalize it yeah and they played it off as just like a light comedic bit mm -hmm. <laughs> you see this favorite character you have they're getting raped. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it funny? No. No. You know, as a writer, you, I'm blaming Shonda Rhimes. I'm calling you out, Shonda, in particular, because right. you wrote this episode. Mm -hmm. You have a responsibility to handle these subject matters with care. Mm -hmm. We already had, like, a huge backlash in season one over a rape scene. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to learn from your mistakes, but instead of, like, listening to critiques, they decided to write this absolute mess. Yeah. I mean... 
a black woman being raped in the first episode of a show that was marketed as being about black female empowerment is ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know what anyone was thinking. They all shot and then edited this as like hijinks. Yeah. Ooh. It's disgusting. Yeah, it was it was uh very disturbing. I had a a, a truly visceral uh reaction to it and you know, I think if I think if they're trying to, because I, I seem to remember, well, I do remember in season two of uh, Bridgerton where um, Lady Danbury is having a conversation with Kate, and she says something along the lines of, you know, I, you know, I, um, you know, worked hard or I earned, you know, where I I lived in order to become this person that you now see. Um, and, you know, I... And now it's I like didn't he, need to, she, I, she endured marital rape to get what she wanted. That's yeah, basically, yeah. And it's like, please, God, don't have this be some kind of tie into that, because that is immediately what went through my mind was, are they showing this to show what she endured in order to become... Lady Danbury. Um, it is not worth it. It's no, it is not. It is not. Um, they can do much better. Yeah, they could do much better. So, I, don't, yeah. I don't mind showing this as a story and having this as a storyline because it was a reality for mm-hmm. women the period. And I don't really feel like they have much of a choice to make, but to make these decisions. Um, mm-hmm. But it's the tone that's the problem. The tone. Yeah, it's the tone. You know, it this is not this is not something that, you know, should have this underpinning of, you know, You know what worries me is is that Ugh. this is going to continue throughout the rest of the season, particularly God, I, I hope not. Unless her husband I, like drops dead immediately, it's going to keep happening. I God, I hope not. I, know I hope old, to. But also, like, mm-hmm. can I just say that the way they treat his age as some yeah. kind of like joke uh-huh. is also really worrying. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like the whole joke about his dentures. Like, yeah, it just, I know he's a rapist, but like, <laughs> I felt uncomfortable like making fun of anybody's age, really. Like, yeah, oh god, Shonda, what the fuck were you thinking? <sighs> oh, I know god. she's not gonna send me any more books now, damn it. <laughs> oh lord where we again eyes are on you for the next episode so you, you didn't you, you did not uh get started off on a good foot with the two of us miss thang hey, it can only get better from here <laughs> you said that about poldock that's almost as bad as saying what could possibly go wrong. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, God help that. us. God help us. Oh, okay. Favorite scene. Um, I like the meet cute. Obviously, that was. Mm-hmm. I mean, spectacular chemistry. I don't know where they find all these yeah. people with this sizzling chemistry, but they did it. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. My favorite scene, though, had to be. Queen Charlotte yelling at her children. Um, the comedic <laughs> yeah. timing of 
sorrows <gasps> prayers and then <laughs> sorrows prayers yes spectacular <laughs> and like i said earlier she's finally doing some queen shit she's not yes. meddling in insignificant marriages like <laughs> thank you yes and gossip and all that other kind of bs she's she is being the queen that she is dang it though <laughs> so it does kind of uh, make she seems to hate her children so maybe that's why she was neglecting them she's like they're insufferable <laughs> i will deal with the Bridgesons instead <laughs> oh god um uh, i would agree with you on uh both of those scenes uh, as being my favorite um i loved seeing her walk down that aisle looking queenly from head to toe a queen um and you know walking in wearing the dress that she wanted to wear um i was like uh-huh yeah you try to put me in this thing uh-uh now that i know the the real story it's like oh poor baby <laughs> <laughs> Oh, just like it's out at your wedding just absolutely yeah. awkward yeah, yeah. boy <laughs> pleased to meet you <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry it is meeting you this having you meet me this well <laughs> uh um i think we can both agree that our least favorite scene was the uh rape scene oh yeah yeah um so don't want to go over that but i also want to mention uh-uh. um I've had some issues with the dialogue, um, particularly in that scene between Augusta and Charlotte. There was a line uh, that said, you have good hips. You will make lots of babies. This is good. That is your job. As many babies as possible for my son. That uh, feels like uh, it was written by a child. <laughs> like There's no subtext <laughs> to any of this. Like they would just say exactly what they're they're thinking. Like if people are racist, yeah. they'll scrub your face. Everything is just yeah. very surface level, one dimensional. And I know it's only mm-hmm. the first opening episode, so I'm trying to keep an open mind. And I've been slagging this <laughs> off the whole podcast. Um, I can see the potential for it to be good, but at the moment, the dialogue is not giving. It's not yeah. giving. It's giving it's not it's not making me feel confident uh at this point you which is surprising because this is shonda rhimes you know who has written some amazing dialogue for the shows in her catalog but you Um, will make lots of babies is not a good line (laughs) no no it's not you know and i'm you know i'm guessing it does well are you trying to make this person uh, as surfacey and insipid as possible, because then maybe that would work. But uh, but everyone's I, like I, I that, don't know. Though. Everyone just yeah. says whatever they're thinking. Yeah, in that given yeah. moment. Well, except for George. But even then, like, <sighs> he's not really hiding his mental illness that well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I need you to um, flesh this out. <laughs> yes, episode two. Episode two. Come on, episode two. <laughs> it's time for Wake Talk! Talk about where we're growing. 
contrast, loved the wigs. Loved them, loved them, loved them. God. Not something I've ever said about season one and season two of Bridgerton, by the way. (laughs) Where you could, like, Uh, see the lace. See the, yeah, see the the whole lace situation going on. They really crushed it with the wigs uh, in this episode. And, um, you know, I, I thought that Charlotte's hair and wigs in this episode were absolutely exquisite. I wanted to wear them on my head. (laughs) (laughs) Give me, give me, put that on my head, please. Somewhere in a uh, warehouse in London, I'll like hook you up. (laughs) I love seeing the return of the Afro look from season one. Like that was such an iconic moment. Mm-hmm. Um, just probably won them the Emmy for season one hair. Yeah. And like having that at her wedding was such a power move. Yeah. She was, was like, just... fuck your beauty conventions. <laughs> Look at me in my crack. Exactly. It's like, yeah, uh-huh. I'm black, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that, that is who I am. You can't so... rub the hair off. <laughs> nope. Nope. This is who I am. Deal with it, people. And um, I think even um, I think she's wearing a wig in absolutely all of the scenes, um, mm-hmm. and they look so real, which is not mm-hmm. something that I can say about the white hair. And the, and the British, yeah, yeah. Um, they've like obviously, I don't know. Maybe the budget went to this show. Like they were like, we're going to give you good hair because it's the most important. Mm-hmm. Fuck the white people. And yeah, I it's like, you are going to be looking flawless, <laughs> um, flawless in these wigs. Um, but, uh, I'm, I thought that not only did they do the wigs for, um, you know, late Lady Danbury and Queen Charlotte, um, you know, in both iterations, uh, well, that I thought that the, the wigs on the rest of the characters, were lovely as well. Um, it's just, this show has really, um, stepped it up in their wig game this season. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. Cause, you know, the slapping hand would be getting itchy if, if they were doing as they did in previous seasons. Let us all pray for season three of Bridgerton because there's no way they've got, they fixed the Penelope wig that quickly. Oh. Anyway. Oh my god. Yeah, please let, let's not don't take me back there, please. Don't take me back there. Stay with the joy. A uh-uh. hey, uh, favorite yes. costume. Oh god. The wedding dress that she wore um at the church, of course, uh was spectacular. Uh, but I found all of the costumes that she was wearing uh were beautiful. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just like, beautiful. I like that we're now in a period where her costumes make sense. <laughs> she looks well, like she's in the right time period. Yes, you know, and of course we are away from the uh, you know, your favorite time period for costumes. The pregnancy era. <laughs> yeah, the pregnancy era. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. So, you know, we're we're things are looking beautiful. Um and uh, form-fitting, and form-exaggerating, and uh, just really amazing. 
Oh my god, can you imagine how mm-hmm. much they spent on just like making these costumes? Because there's so much more fabric involved. <laughs> so much oh more fabric. Oh my god, yes. Um, oh. Actually, I really liked like the English wedding gown that Charlotte absolutely hated. Mm-hmm. I really, I mm-hmm. found the cut was actually a lot more flattering than the one she chose for herself. And I really love the sleeves. Mm-hmm. They're like fluffy sleeves. Yes. I would have done like... <laughs> Some shuffling around just to make them bounce. Um, and it actually looked like something someone would wear. Um, I do find some of the... There is this element to the character of Queen Charlotte that is a bit like mm-hmm. Disney princess. Like she's putting on a performance of what other people expect a queen to be. Mm-hmm. And now I think they've definitely emphasised that the costumes she puts on are like purposeful and like an armor for herself when she was mm-hmm. describing her her gown to her brother i was like oh this is important to her i don't mm-hmm. know exactly why yet because this is the first episode maybe it's just part of her maybe she does put on a performance of being a queen when out in public mm-hmm. but again that's not been developed very much you know yeah Clutching yeah straws. there's there's a whole bunch of supposition that's happening with this yeah. episode, with our conversation about this episode, uh, since, you know, we we still, this, what we saw really was just laying the initial foundation yeah. uh, for where this thing is going to go. So um, I would like to see more of her as a public figure. That's mm-hmm. something they've never really discussed in Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. I just like to see that delved into more than just like just her private life because I think it's one of the more interesting aspects of royalty is the intertru- the the way their public facing role merges with their private life mm-hmm. and the tension that creates and I just feel like that's just not been written into the two seasons of Bridgerton or this show yet. Mm-hmm. Give me maybe it's coming next episode because something has to happen <laughs> between now God. You know, I really hope that the next episode uh, gives us uh, gives us something to to chew on because otherwise, next week's podcast is going to be pretty grim. I, <laughs> I just, you know, I need to like have something to say, not just like yeah. maybe go, "Hey, look, this might be a problem." Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Ah, oh. so needle drop moment. Mm-hmm. I mean... That was Halo, right? Oh, uh, this is my confession. Don't come at me, Beehive, but I hate that song. I hate that song. <laughs> I hate it. It's saccharine and cheesy without any like, fun irony. I love cheese, but I mean, God, that's lame. Oh, you know, I I am so glad that you are here to catch those things because... I, it, that went completely over my head, to be quite honest to you. I knew that it had to be the needle drop moment, but I was like, what song is this? What? You've got to have subtitles on. It tells you. It goes, orchestral cover of Halo. And then you go, oh, okay. Yeah, I had turned the, the subtitles off. Oh, Ricky's mistake. How do you yeah. understand <laughs> everything everyone says as well? Because sometimes I know, like... I'm I'm very fluent in British, but even sometimes it goes over <laughs> my head. Yeah, um, I I think I was just needing a break from the 
subtitles after all of the Korean dramas that I've been watching. Um, But uh, yeah, I think uh, those things are going to be going back on with episode two. So I don't miss these things and I can look them up later if I don't know the song and, and not in not all hip with all the music you young kids are listening to. Hello uh, came out like 12 years ago or something. <laughs> uh, I am I am basking I'm basking in my my old age. Uh, <laughs> I think my actual favorite musical moment was uh, the instrumental that played when they were getting married and then oh, the post-wedding mm-hmm. ball with their little feet kicking out underneath the mm-hmm. That's so cute. Yes. <laughs> this show does a good instrumental. Like, the soundtracks are always amazing. Uh-huh. I like yeah, to listen that is very true. to the season one soundtrack while I'm reading. Just like, mm. it's very good. It's very good. Ugh. Okay, performer of the episode. Young Queen Charlotte, uh, mm-hmm. India Amatafeo. I hope I said that right. Didn't look it up. Mm-hmm. I apologize. India Ria Amartiafeo. I thought she. I thought she was wonderful. She managed to mimic all the mannerisms mm-hmm. from another performer just brilliantly. Um, I've mm-hmm. seen some videos of her in like doing interviews on Instagram. She's she has a completely different voice, mannerisms, um, <laughs> crazy. Um, she oh. managed to just the way like she like moved her head and everything was just perfect yeah. imitation yeah. of someone else's mannerisms. Like I'm very impressed yeah. by it, and she looks yep. so much like her. I was just like, oh, this is amazing casting. Mm-hmm. Could be, could be her daughter. Uh, just really. Um... Uh, really amazing. Uh, I'm just uh, on fire with the casting for this show. Um, yeah, I found her to be uh, my favorite performer of the episode. Uh, I've got to give uh, second place to the young lady Agatha. Oh yeah. Um, I thought that you know the the chemistry that the two of them had, you know, right off the bat was fantastic. Um, and uh, I am looking forward to seeing how both of them uh, continue to grow uh, as we watch more and more of the show. Also, shout out to George for being hot. I, uh... Oh, yeah. God. Corey Milchrist? Uh, he's such a basic white boy, but he's, it's just, it's working. It's like, I don't know how you got so charming. He's adorable. When he smiles. Mm-hmm. My cold, frozen heart warms. Yeah. 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 He, 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 he's adorable. So we'll be keeping an eye out for you, sir. <laughs> okay. How many crowns out of five? Hmm. I am going to give this, I'm going to give this a three and a half. I am going to give it two and a half. Oh. The rape bothered me to, to a level. Well, yeah. Yeah. Heart. I was, like, angry um, Mm -hmm. watching it. And I still, like, it's been two weeks. I'm still annoyed. (laughs) Um, I don't think there's any justification. And, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, I'm sorry, but that's my stance. Um, Hopefully it improves me, but, you know. Yeah, don't apologize. You've got nothing to apologize for. Um, You know, it's, 
things are going to get interesting with episode two, I think, particularly for me, because I think that is going to wind up having me kind of rethink my my rating um, a bit. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens. Okay. Um, so. Inbox time. Woohoo! <laughs> Yay! Excited to get this inbox started. Hi, Michelle and Rita. Um, and these are in bullets. Um, so disturbing how Netflix felt the need to say this is fiction. Mm-hmm. Because that's the world we're living in now. <laughs> I still think they made um, it on The Crown and not this, because people really be thinking yeah. The Crown is real life. And I'm oh, like, yeah. honey, were they oh, there? Yeah. Were they in the room when they were having these conversations? Mm-hmm. Do they know? It's like, yep. Um, next is, uh, since the Regency was presided over the future George the Fourth. Is it pushing fiction too far by saying a royal heir does not exist? Very good point. Uh, there is a prince regent listed in the end credits. We saw him crying. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I hope the king's mother gets run over by a carriage. Bah. Yeah. Yes. Um, the great meat cute uh, is dampened by how we know there isn't a happy ending. Uh, as, it's the journey, as always, okay? It's the journey, yes. As always, thank you for allowing me to discuss this with you. Anytime! Uh, and this is from Elizabeth. Thank you very thank much. Thank you. Okay. Hello, Michelle and Rita. I've binged the entire series, and I love it. OMG, it's so much better than Bridgerton, especially season two. Don't hate me. <laughs> well, we haven't seen the other episodes, so we can't yeah. say. Um, The actress who plays Queen Charlotte is perfect, loved her hair, the tiaras, the gowns, and her spirit. It took me a while to get used to the actor playing King George, but he eventually won me over. (laughs) Young Lady Danbury is a queen herself, but the episode could have done without her sex scene. Mm -hmm. Young Lady Danbury is the star of the series. Loved Mm. the wigs and the older Queen Charlotte in her dresses. Liked the series, continued the whistle-down voiceovers. Princess Augusta is also a very strong woman character, even though she seems like a controlling mother. I love Mm. Brimsley and Reynolds. I just don't understand the great experiment that was mentioned. Also, I have been begun listening to your Empress recaps, and I'm enjoying them so much. You have a great recap of each of the episodes. Thanks, Delia from Austin. Thanks, Delia. Love the Empress, by the way. Guys, if you liked this show... Go watch The Empress. Yes. Slightly better version of what they're trying to do here. It's amazing. Uh, let's see. Okay. Hi, Rita and Michelle. Great to be back in Bridger World. I'm so glad you are up for jumping right into another series after Sanditon. It seems to be a feast or famine in the period drama world. God, ain't that the truth? Um, I'm trying to just watch one episode at a time so I can savor it with you and your followers. It's tough avoiding social media spoilers, but I think it will be worth the effort. I thought episode one was great and gives us a lot of intrigue to impact over the season. I love the intro from Lady Whistledown, fiction inspired by fact. Brilliant. Rita, please indulge us with any real history you think is inspiring this. (laughs) Oh, oh, don't worry, people. She will. Mm -hmm. I done it. Um, I did jump on Wikipedia and find out about the princess that died in childbirth and also the 13 kids that appeared at the end of the episode. It seems that there is 
It is true that there were no other legitimate heirs at this point. <laughs> Horus to the left of me, virgins to the right, will be an iconic line from now on. Oh my god. I love that. <laughs> oh, I love that line. And immediately after she said that, um, I sang, Here yeah. I am stuck in stuck the in middle, middle with you. With you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Going back to the letter, uh, the casting is really good. Young Charlotte is a great embodiment of the older queen we have grown to love. Young King George, adorable, charming, perfect. Young Lady Danbury does not give off the same vibes, vibes as Adjua. I always mess up her name. Adjua Endo. Adjua Endo. She is a tough act to live up to, but yeah. we will give her time. Yeah. Uh, did you catch Lady Danbury's maid saying the Bassets when she was giving Lady D a bath? Mm-hmm. The Bassets would be Simon's parents, I believe. Hopefully we get to meet his mother as a young woman. Oh, gosh, wouldn't that be wonderful? If they don't, um, doesn't that create a huge plot hole because Lady D's supposed to be her bestie? Uh-huh. I would hope so. Keep an eye on uh, but, that. Yeah. The costumes. I loved everything young Charlotte wore, but the final made in Paris wedding dress next to King George's stunning. Looking forward to your recap and analysis, your loyal listener, Carol from Connecticut. Thanks, Carol. Thanks, Car- Carol's back. She went away Yay! and now she's back. That should be a song. Welcome okay. back. Um, hi, girls. Morgana here. First of all, I'm not as strong as you guys, so I binged watched all six episodes on Thursday <laughs> afternoon. But I wrote down my reactions and expectations so that I could write to you. Oh, she's making notes. Everyone, you need to I be know. on her level. I know. Wow. <laughs> I wanted to start by making a petition to change the name of the episode to Sorrows, Sorrows, Press. Much better, right? Mm. As a good historian, I went after reading George and Charlotte's biography before the series because I didn't know if I if I commented, but I do some gigs as a tour guide here in the Palaces of London, and watching this episode, I realised that I had some expectations for the series that were broken in the first episode. <laughs> <sighs> for example, I always take tourists in front of Buckingham Palace and tell them the story of their arranged marriage, about her arriving in England six hours before the wedding, and how after the wedding they discovered their common interests and fell in love. And as a token of love, he goes and buys the Duke of Buckingham's house as a one-year wedding present for Charlotte. The Queen's house is not even a kilometre away from St. James's Palace, as they had to stay close. Lovely, right? So imagine my disappointment when I saw George handing over the house on the first night on the show and not as a romantic gesture. It was my first shock to understand that what Lady Whistledown said in the opening of the series was the truth. They took liberties with the story. Uh-huh. I love that this is more shocking than her being black. Just like, yeah. <laughs> to the house. Um, this is quite fine. I'm not picky. I really loved, for example, that they brought the royal marriage race of 1818 to the Queen to command. Here's another story that tourists love and always think is exaggerated. Parliament paying the debts of the princes to marry and having four royal weddings in one year. Quite scandalous. I love the thoughtfulness of the Queen with her children. On the one side, virgins. On the other's horse. Yes. <laughs> Actually, just thinking about it, there was four weddings and a funeral that year. Oh, my God. Somebody make that into a movie. <laughs> Do you know who the funeral was? The funeral 
was Queen Charlotte. She is going to die. She is dead. God. I mean, obviously not in the show, but you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. By the way, 50 years difference between these two storylines. She doesn't look old enough. She really (laughs) looks like she's like maybe mid 40s at most. Ah, yes. All that melanin, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Works wonders. (laughs) Okay, my goodness. The scene of them getting to know each other is everything. I looked like a teenager giggling at the prince's charm. He falls in love quite easily. (laughs) He really does. (laughs) By her second response, he was already silly smiling. And by the third, he was already calling her incomparable (laughs) and too pretty to marry him. Easy boy. I dare you girls introduce me to one 17-year-old girl who would say no to this guy. I, at 28 years old, am surrendered at this point. As for Charlotte, <laughs> who is not silly, she may not even know what the marriage act in fact is, but she knows how to play, change clothes for a magnificent dress, and release the black power. She is a player, she is the queen, go girl, get your man. But the dress, <laughs> just one comment. I think it was beautiful, like all the dresses in the Bridgerton franchise. But then I saw a post on Insta showing both dresses, the one in the series and the one in real life. And I found the real life one even more scandalous. And then I wondered why they didn't make a replica for the series. After all, they have money for it. The wedding night was just fanfic in my head because what I got was the scenes of the of the prince turning into a frog. No. <laughs> Worse, just a straight man avoiding explaining the emotional reasons that led him to make an irrational decision. (laughs) (sighs) The take of her alone when he says, I am the king. OMG. It was was there that I felt her age for the first time. Mm -hmm. There I saw a 17-year-old girl in a foreign country, and it was there that I noticed the reason for the opening sequence cartoon which I loved, and I loved the music too, but I thought my attention, but it caught my attention that in almost all the opening scenes, she is alone. And that take of her scared, not understanding what's going on with the palace and the two employees in the background, it squeezed my heart. Finally, I bet you already mentioned it, but I love the fact that all of the cover songs for the series were by black female artists. Most Beyonce, not to mention the Alicia Keys clip that came out today, Monday, Another powerful music, a beautiful clip. I'm already with all the playlists in my Spotify. For today, it's just that, girls. I'll save my comments on Lady Danbury for next week. With love, Morgana. Thank you, Morgana. Thank you. I also love another... We've got another history nerd. Yes. Yes. History nerds. (laughs) History nerds. (laughs) Well, this should be interesting. What can I... What... I can say is I'm loving the sassy Queen Charlotte, both young and older versions. Some great zingers from older Charlotte, especially with her 15 children. I especially loved her pep talk regarding producing grandbabies. I mean, how can they not be impressed by her and George's example? Can't wait to see how the relationship between Charlotte and George develops. Obviously, there will be challenges, but let's see how this goes. I am... I'm also in love with the costumes, especially all of the embroidery on both the men and women. Yes. Oh, yeah. It reminds me of the beautiful hand embroidery on my wedding uh, satin dress some time ago. I'm thinking the wigs are a bit insane, though. (laughs) Cue Michelle. (laughs) Ciao, Maria from Australia. (laughs) Thank you. 
the wigs are always insane. Um, They're in, yes. So happy for the return of your podcast. I'm excited to hear your thoughts. And Rita, I know you'll be throwing in some mini history lessons on the Hanover's <laughs> coming. I'm so predictable. Yes. I like... I, like many, have been anxiously awaiting the expansion of the Bridgiverse. That's such good words. Yes. <laughs> Bridgiverse, that's so good. And, Bridgiverse, um, yes. I was really excited to see that Shonda chose to use the backstory of Queen Charlotte and King George. Before I start discussing the episode, I think we have to recognise that it's not enough for a show to have great writing, directing, design and costuming, etc. It must also have amazing casting and chemistry to compare complete the puzzle. Now, I don't know what it is what is in the Kool-Aid at Shondaland, but every featured <laughs> British and couple has had unbelievable chemistry on screen and Queen Charlotte <laughs> is no exception. From their unique meet cute in the garden, Charlotte and just George are so engaging <clears throat> on the screen. It's fantastic. Their chemistry does not disappoint. I again do not have the same restraint as the two of you and have watched all the episodes. <laughs> multiple times but i promise no spoilers i loved this episode right from the start i was so surprised to hear the voice of lady whistledown and i thought the disclaimer was perfect this is fiction just enjoy i feel like she's talking to me (laughs) i cannot um from the beginning we saw how intelligent headstrong the character of charlotte is and how the men in her life dictate its direction but she still seeks her independence as much as possible in the spaces she occupies. I absolutely loved the meet-cute between Charlotte and George. I thought the character of George was so genuine when he nervously shared about himself. Oh my god, that bit where he was like <laughs> showing her his scars and he was like, Yes. I have the scarf and went, Oh, I got a bit clumsy with a penknife. <laughs> I love him. They continued. We are starting to see how taken with her he is. Giving her the choice to marry him gives her just enough agency to accept him. But by the end of the episode, we are left wondering, is George really just George? Mm-hmm. Would love it if he had multiple personalities. It'd be like, this is just <laughs> Eric. I'm Fred. <laughs> <laughs> In addition to Charlotte's story, I was also eager to see young Lady Danbury's character and her evolution. I really like her energy and want to see more of her storyline, but OMG, Lord Danbury. Now we know Uh why Lady Danbury has always thought marriage was about duty, not love. Another aspect that I found very interesting are the time jumps to the current Bridgiverse. I love seeing this, uh, this side of Charlotte, especially with her children, but she had some of the best lines of the episode. Virgins to the left of me, whores to the right, and Soros, Soros <laughs> prayers were my favourite. Side note, Julia Quinn and Shonda Rhimes wrote a Queen Charlotte book. Are you guys going to do a book club episode? Hope you guys are feeling better. Hope you are feeling better, Michelle. And this is from Jennifer from Chicago. Oh, thanks, Jennifer. Um, We're definitely going to do the book. Yeah, because of course. We have- we That's have a reputation to, to maintain. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. Of course, COVID had to ruin a perfectly nice vacation. <laughs> Sorry, Michelle. <sighs> yeah. If it was the first two days of the vacation, it would be a completely different story. But uh, I I survived. Um, so anyway, uh, thanks for your well wishes. 
I just wanted to mention that Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story, kind of reminded me of The Empress, but then I thought of The Great on Hulu, which y'all should definitely watch. Nick Holt is a snack. He's the whole meal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and it's similar to that as well. Uh, starting to think the monarchy in general might just breed sad people, and maybe <laughs> humans aren't meant to live in gilded glass houses with big swords and heavy crowns hovering over them all the time like malicious chandeliers. Anyway. Yeah, agree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at least the clothes and the palaces are pretty. The writing for Queen Charlotte was great, so I can't wait to hear all of your thoughts when Michelle is feeling better. The first episode was awesome for me. Charlotte has this rant about whale-bone whale corsets, and the garden wall scene is somehow better than we all thought it would be. I binged the this series and had all the emotions, so I'm mischievously excited to hear you guys go through it all. Till then, thanks for all the hard work doing awesome Rita uh, content and feel better, Michelle. You guys rock. Juliana from New England. Thanks, Juliana. Thanks, Juliana. We should do the great. I love the great. Anyway, uh, <laughs> dear Rita and Michelle, so with the exclaimer voiced by Julie Andrews, I was a little confused by it. I had to go back and have a second listen because my knowledge of the show was that it will be a prequel to Bridgerton. So when Julie Andrews said it's not a history lesson, it's fiction inspired by fact. All liberties taken by the author are quite intentional. Okay, so it made me think that the story will change in some ways. What do you think that might mean? Hmm. My main guess is they're not going to abruptly kill off Queen Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. She's supposed to be dead. Um, <laughs> they continued, her first interaction with her brother is an enlightening one. I mean to say that in Bridgerton, it has been said by many people that Queen Charlotte was chosen by King George and had a love match. But in this interaction, it's clear she doesn't want to get married and has not seen him before. Now, the part about not seeing each other before marriage isn't surprising to me. The surprising part is that she didn't want to marry him because it is supposed to be a love match. When she talked about impaling herself on her corset, that was kind of funny to me. <laughs> it shows us this is the Queen Charlotte we all know and love. Oh, can I just say that the young Charlotte, she was cast well because, in my opinion, she looks like the Queen Charlotte in Bridgerton as a young woman. I think she even speaks like her as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, then it goes back to present time, or as the time we know Bridgerton to be. Queen Charlotte asks, is the king dead? I thought, gee, she really wants the king out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. uh, I was happy to see Michelle Farley from Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Loved the scene with Charlotte in the garden. Then we see George, but we are not supposed to know that, but I knew. She's trying to climb the garden wall to escape. She asks him to help her escape. As mute cutes go, it's pretty cute. Her brother came out and George said that it is her choice to marry him, which I think is pretty cool of him. <laughs> then they cut to them getting married. Which, <laughs> yay, but we kind of knew they would. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'm glad she changed clothes. I thought she would get more black back blowback from George's mum about that. She looks more like the Queen Charlotte from Bridgerton in that dress and hair. I don't know if the actress is wearing a wig or not, but really pretty. She is wearing a wig. One thing I was like, yes, she, there's no way she managed to do her hair that quickly. <laughs> Depending on the dress is one thing, but that yeah. did not. Okay, 
now it is their wedding night, and we all know what that means. Or maybe not all of us. <laughs> Daphne. <laughs> that was low. <sighs> I'm glad they brought the music over to this show. When they played Thank You Next in Bridgerton, I knew right away what it was and was happily surprised by its use in the show. And when Halo started playing, I knew it right away as well. Well. Most of us did. Wink, yeah. wink, Michelle. <laughs> George, I'm old. George said, George said, this is your house. You should live, it, live in it without me. I was like, uh, what does that <laughs> man mean? She's going to live alone in a house all by herself? Uh, what? I was so mad. Maybe not as mad as Charlotte, but I was on her side. Two different houses instead of a wedding t- tonight. Um, it made me think of what Simon does to Daphne with the two in-rooms when he yells at her, <laughs> I was scared, jeepers. Um, so with them living in two houses, 15 children? How? What? <laughs> They're all Brimsley's children. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. Uh, so as spin-offs go, this is as good as the original in my opinion. It won't be Bridgerton, but it's a good show too. Your gentle listener, Jen from Pennsylvania. And Jen is a first timer. Hey! Welcome to the inbox, Jen. Welcome, welcome. Oh, thank you. Funny dick about da- Daphne. You always yes. forget. Oh, man. <laughs> <And> Daphne. <sighs> Hello, Rita and Michelle. My goal is to watch Queen Charlotte only one episode at a time along with you. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this one. I'm on the fence. It held my interest long enough to make me move on to episode two, but didn't make me feel enough emotion one way or the other to write you a full essay yet. Oh, is that a threat? <laughs> I believe that is a promise. Um, I wasn't super excited about this series. Queen Charlotte and Lady Danbury are okay as supporting characters, but I didn't really think there, ba- there were backstories we needed. We'll see if the show can change my mind after the next few episodes. What was good in the episode? I liked the younger flashback storylines more than the old people storylines. Old people. <laughs> old people. Oh <laughs> uh, young George is sweet and the falling in love storyline has some promise. His actions were kind of jerk-like at the end, but I think because as the audience we know he's struggling with mental illness, we can accept he has reasons and isn't just an asshole. But I hope they don't drag out the lack of communication between Charlotte and George, because that will bug the crap out of me. Yas! Um, I love the Smythe Smith reference at the wedding. A nice little Easter Easter egg for fans of the books. Young Charlotte and young Lady D were okay. I like their pluck, but I also feel they will get annoying very quickly (laughs) if their storylines don't get some depth fast. Especially Lady D. And agreed. Um, I like that George offered Charlotte a choice in the garden, but was it a real choice? We know neither of them really has any say in this. Uh, Charlotte and her brother were good. At least he's not delusional over the fact that there is no choice here. George's mother. I am only his mother. I say nothing. I kind of love her. We'll see what happens as the story goes. What I didn't like so far. Lord Beetlejuice Danbury. (laughs) Oh, God. Did we really need that sex scene? Yuck. I am not liking the track they are taking for Lady D's backstory so far. The lame explanation over how the Danburys, and I assume the Bassets and every other non-white aristocratic family, 
got their title. Pretty much, it was George's mom taking one look at Charlotte and going, oh shit, she's way more brown than I thought. Quick, round up some other people that are brown too and slap a lord and lady on them. It was unsatisfying and shallow and makes Simon's father in Bridgerton saying, the king fell in love with one of us. Complete bullshit. The king had nothing to do with this. It was all optics on his mother's whim with no depth to this decision. (sighs) Can't argue with that. (laughs) Yeah. Don't like anything to do so far with Charlotte and her adult children. What kind of parents are she and George if they bred a brood of 15 spoiled, rich, whiny adults that lounge around and sulk? That doesn't make me, uh, that, that doesn't make me get invested in them as a couple if that's what they're creating together. I look forward to the first podcast on this one. And this is from Tara. Thank you, Tara. Love you, Tara. Always on point. Yes. Um, Let's talk about episode two description. Okay. Frustrated by her first days of marriage to the mysterious and mercurial king, a lonely Charlotte finds a confidant and advisor in Lady Danbury. Okay, well, that's nothing. It gives us nothing. (laughs) I know. It's like, uh-huh, okay, give us something more! Ugh. I mean, I'm excited for that relationship to develop. Mm-hmm. I desperately need Charlotte and Lady Danbury to have a bond, because there's, like, no, yeah. at the moment, no female relationships to root for. That's just... Yeah. <sighs> mm-hmm. Plus, just like Lady Danbury climbing up the social ladder, that will be fun shenanigans because she mm-hmm. is a wily one, and I love that. Yes, for her. she is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you know, as we've said uh, throughout the the podcast, it's really hard to say kind of what how we're going to feel and react to this uh, with it being so early uh, in the series itself. Uh, we've got a lot of chips um, bet on episode two. So I am hoping that what we see written here will be uh, fleshed out beautifully. That is my hope. Um, But we can only hope. Yeah. Yeah. I'm worried. They've got very long episodes towards the, I've looked at the run times and it's one and a half. One and a half hour long oh, episode coming up. So something. Why don't has they to just? Why don't they just add another episode? Why do they like? Oh, okay. Let's not. Let's not go there. Let's not go there yet. I Although you know, that we should all pray for me because I have to write the recaps. <laughs> yes, and uh, you know, coming in annoyed. This. Uh, podcast is reaching the two hour mark so um uh, it does make me a little worried um <laughs> going forward but Hashtag uh pray for us yeah pray for Sorry us some prayers um, for us really yeah mm-hmm. uh so yeah we'll we'll see what happens um but uh that's all from us this week um we'll be back next week recapping and discussing the second episode until then, follow us on social media. We are In The Books Network on Instagram and Twitter. We're also on Tumblr if you want to send in some anonymous questions. Our ask box is open, and we are, of course, dying to hear what you thought. Please email us at inthebooksnetwork at gmail.com, and we will read you out on the show. 
And remember to subscribe, rate, and review because it really helps us reach a larger audience. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you soon. Bye! Bye.